Hey, this is Carson, and this is Slow Club Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. So guys, on this episode, I'm going to unpack the concepts of integrated community and participation discipleship. Now, those sound like million-dollar phrases that you uh, uh, might hear and just say, you know what, this is going to be the dumbest episode I've ever heard. And it could be. Um, but, guys, I think you'll find this very interesting when it comes to uh, developing churches, developing cultures. This is a theme, you know, kind of playing off of the last podcast about starting new churches. Um, but this one more so in transforming uh, communities and how to do that and what that looks like. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about my experience uh, in that realm. So uh, let's dive right into the episode. Okay, first things first, uh, let's have a little bit of an introduction. So for me, I have had experience in church revitalization, church remissioning, um, and I've uh, had that actually through my my last experience um, in the local church, and it was while I was a youth pastor. I also got to be intimately involved in the um, movement of change within a church um, two separate occasions and um, I'm actually excited because I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to actually record um, a lecture that is uh, related to that experience and I put together basically sort of a, some theory behind um, the experience I had and why one um, movement uh, of the church revitalization at this local church was really a failed attempt and why the other time seems to have been uh, successful. Um, But just in the realm I want to talk about on this podcast is really, you know, one of the things I've come to terms with, and I'll probably do a podcast talking about this later, but um, there's a book called 5Q by Alan Hirsch. It's actually the first Alan Hirsch book I've ever read um, and it's kind of funny that that's true because he's known as sort of the modern missiologist. Um, he's one of the top minds of mission that everyone seems to reference as having creative ideas and such. But I haven't really read very many of his books. Um, I've heard, you know, different things from him, listened to some talks. Um, but I've been reading the book 5Q, which is all about the apest giftings, which is apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Um, and through just exploring that, listening to that, I have, um, you know, really just awakened to me just to recognize, it's how important it is to recognize people's gifts in the body of Christ. Um, you know, it's, it's not something to idolize and everything. I think some people could take 5Q and the APES stuff too far, and I've definitely seen that, um, because really the important thing is us all being one in Christ, um, but it is important to recognize some of our distinct gifts. Um, so I took the 5Q test, and um, I am a teacher apostle, and I would say, you know, I, I don't really believe in, you know, taking a little test and then just believing whatever it tells you is that's that is like the end all be all. But I think in this case, um, teacher apostle fits me well. I, it's a natural impulse for me, and even especially when I'm very spiritually healthy as well that I want to teach uh, as evidenced by slow club. I, I love doing slow club because I like teaching. I like doing, um, different things like that. Um, and then I also like dialoguing with people, um, outside of this with slow club. I can tell my glasses are 
crooked on this video. Um, okay. Um, and so there's that. Um, and then I'm also apostle, apostolic, um, you know, which has different forms, but um, recently the most, the biggest example of that for me is um, there's an intentional community of men um, seeking transformational life with God called the Knights of the Lion, um, which I started. Um, it's growing now. Uh, it's grown now to five guys. Um, there's, I think, been over eight guys who have been members of the group and have maybe come and gone or moved to a different state or something like that. Um, but it's been a really amazing experience. But that's just something I like to do. Um, but with that, guys, I think when you reflect on your um, your giftings, then it can be a helpful thing to awaken those things within you. So for me, one of the things that's always awakened when I reflect on the apostolic things um, and Alan Hirsch being an inspiration for that is I start thinking about how in the circles that I'm currently in could we deepen our life of discipleship together? You know, does something new need to be started? Or does something need to be rethought? And then how do we encourage people towards that. And so that is where the two terms that I've named, uh, integrated community and participation discipleship, um, which I think I've, I've mentioned the integrated component on this podcast before, but I wanted to dedicate a little more time to fleshing that out. So um, let's just dive into both of these terms uh, after I've just given you a little bit of an overview um, and some of my passion for that and some of my giftings. Uh, and then also, just as a side, you know, I currently work in church multiplication, and one of the big parts of my job is actually working with churches for revitalization, um, connecting with them. And so um, it's a passion of mine, uh, and I, I love to see uh, the life of Christ come out in his church. So, uh, yeah, so let's unpack those. Okay, so I want to pose some thought to you, my dear listener. Is there a way in which when the church gets to be a certain size that it is actually a hindrance to having um, disciples who participate in the mission? Um, and now that to me comes back to our first term. Um, and you notice I preview the participation discipleship term. Um, because I think you cannot have disciples engaged in the mission and growing in their life with Christ without an integrated community. Now, what do I mean by integrated community? Well, it's fair to say that majority of the Christian church in the Western world goes to church and is involved in any sort of church life only on Sundays. That is not an integrated community. An integrated community, you see in the book of Acts that the Christians met together in their homes daily. Um, you see that they went to the temple until they got kicked out later, but they went to the temple frequently. Um, and then they also still met in homes, though. And there are so many Christians and so many churches, and I, I do put this on leadership as well, that have essentially accepted the fact that, okay, there's going to be, you know, a small percentage of people that are deeper engaged in, in the church. And I think the sad thing is, I think that's, that's dangerous because it's dangerous to discipleship. I think we have 
accepted the fact that you can simply go to church on a Sunday and say hello to people, shake the pastor's hand and give the tithe, and that somehow you're living and participating as a disciple. And I, I just don't think that's possible. The more I think about it, and, and recently reading Alan Hirsch, um, I've been reading that book, 5Q, that, uh, and I, you know you, you know these things. I know for me, I've experienced these things with my men's group, men's brotherhood that I started, is that um, the guys in that group are all the better. We're all better for deeper growth and deeper commitment in the Lord. Now, all these guys, a lot of us go to different churches or worship um, places, maybe on a Sunday. Um, but we share that integrated community, actually in large part, through our group, the Knights. Um, and I've just come to believe, I think, our churches and our Sunday gatherings, a lot of times, are too big to have an integrated um, community. They're too big often because they give us a taste of what we really need without giving us the full thing. And I know what maybe some of you are thinking is, well, what about churches that have small groups? It's like, yeah, that's great. I'm not discouraging that. I don't think that's bad. But a question came to me at one point when I was at a gathering about 150 people, 200 people on a Sunday worship. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking, okay, so by default, when you have a gathering this large, you can only have so many people engaged in the worship, whether that's liturgical worship or even actually more so if you're a church that doesn't have maybe more of the ancient liturgy is typically the pastor does everything and then the music, you know, minister or whatever. Um, but with a gathering like that, it's, it's actually inconvenient and silly that you would have over 150 people somehow engaged in the operation of their gifts in the actual service. Obviously, they're participating. They're getting to join in a, you know, a prayerful worship time. Um, but they're not actually getting to express those gifts um, you know, in that kind of way. It's actually most of the large Southern gatherings are designed for larger, larger capacities of people um, so that everyone can you know, feed through, get what they need, and then leave. And so in some ways it's made me wonder in what ways have our church Sunday experiences actually created consumer culture because we're not inviting people into that deeper discipleship piece, which I'll talk about more in a minute. Um, but integrated community, I think, happens when you're intimate. So this men's brotherhood that I have um, and other groups I've been a part of, I have always grown the most as a disciple when I am really intimately involved with someone else. And it actually kind of you know messed with me because I've, I've gone to church so many times on a Sunday to worship. And the, the number of times I've gone where you, you're worshiping with and alongside people you don't know. And just how foreign that would have been in the early church in a lot of ways. Of course, there were foreigners that would come in. There were people that, you know, that they didn't know. But in, in large part, it was a very close-knit community. And especially, you know, if you think of um, how engaged people were back then in their communities, 
they would have known or, or at least come to know very fast who that person was because they were involved in more than just a Sunday gathering. But it just it just made me think about what it means to really be in fellowship with people if you're not integrated in community um, versus with my guys and and other folks that I'm in deeper community with. I look around and I'm like, I'm like, I know you all. I know we're in fellowship. And there's been times we've had conflict. There's been times we've wrestled through things together. But we actually are, are better for it. And I know them. I know them very well. And I know that they have my back. Um, versus when you go to church on a Sunday. And some churches are so big, you're just an, a number. You're just anonymous. Um, then you really can't have integrated community. And, of course, maybe... On a smaller level, you maybe have a small group that is your place of community. Um, but I would even argue even greater that how how transformative would it be to have gatherings during the week? And let's not go crazy here. We're not talking about every day. But maybe a few gatherings during the week, a breakfast with some people. You've got you know people coming to your house, etc. Um, and in a gathering on a Sunday, all with the same people. And then on top of that, you're seeing each other individually. You're caring for one another. You're per, you're joining together with other folks, and I think that's the vision. And I would actually say that in some ways, um, a large Sunday community without that deeper discipleship component, um, and not the integrated integrated part of all these interlocking relationships, then you really are hurting the body of Christ. And uh, Alan Hirsch talks about that a little bit in his book Five Q of just unlocking those apest giftings, the apostles of the community, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And it is true that in larger church, typical church gatherings, that the gifts that are operational are just the shepherds and the teachers. Um, very few churches welcome a prep, you know, and that I think they can't because of logistics <laughs> in a lot of times. Um, and that's why I think um, allowing smaller communities to form, and I mean, for a long time I've already thought, you know, small groups are essentially churches. They're operating as a church. And um, why not bless that, you know? Like, what, what would be wrong with blessing that, but then still be saying that, okay, say you had five small groups that when they came together made up a quote, Western-looking church, right? They, a big gathering, like all those kinds of things, a service. Um, but those five small groups are churches in and of themselves, so it's more of a network of churches um, that come together. I think that's actually a beautiful model to where those five smaller groups that are really churches, uh, maybe they're a house church or whatever, they actually allow for the second component, um, which now we can dive into. So I realize I said dive into a bajillion times, um, but I guess I just want to swim. We're just talking about swimming. <laughs> okay, so let's look at <clears throat> participation discipleship. So guys, I've alluded to this. I'm sure you can figure it out. But, you know, as a disciple of Christ, one of the best things that ever happened to me is when I was growing up in the church, in the youth ministry, I had a guy who was one of the youth pastors who invited me in. He invited me in to actually do stuff. He had things for me to do. And I think the unfortunate thing, and I alluded to this on the last podcast um, on how to start churches, that 
a lot of churches just don't need people's help. There's not enough people asking enough people to do stuff. And so what happens when people are not acting out their faith? Then they aren't really getting discipled very well. So a lot of churches, they do. I mean, it's, it is, I think it's funny that consumerist, consumerism became a thing of people like to talk about in kind of like post-80s America. But this is something that exists throughout time. Um, and I do think it's taken on a new meaning because we are used to just purchasing things and just sort of gluttonously taking in information all the time, whether that's social media or streaming services or whatever. But when you think about like discipleship and you think about how important that is, I know for me, just when I had people actually say, Hey, there's a place for you. Like I recently met with a really influential church leader. And I mean, he looked at me and had, this is, you know, to be totally candid with you guys as listeners, like, I mean, I was just not in a great place. I've been really discouraged trying to discern my call, um, how to be faithful. And I, I, this guy looked at me and he said, you know, Carson, we need you. We need men like you is what he said. And that touched me deeply. Um, because it's, it's a good thing to be needed. <clears throat> and I think oftentimes in the church, we just tell people, you know, like I said on the last podcast, we're good. And so what happens, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little drink. <clears throat> the, uh, what happens if you tell people that, that basically they don't have anything for them, then you're not creating a, um, an integrated community, first off. Um, but then you're also not creating participation, discipleship, places where people can get to join in. And I'm not talking about being a greeter. I'm not talking about, I mean, that's like low-hanging fruit. That's like obvious. You know, obviously they're teaching certain skills. You're getting people involved in welcoming others and stuff to say a service. But I'm talking about teaching people how to actually share the gospel with others. Teaching people how to read the Bible. Teaching people how to, um, you know, have communion together, um, teaching people uh, how to um, lead a group or have hospitality and host someone, how to do a retreat, how to um, you know actually go out and serve the poor. I mean, there's so many things that I feel like our churches shoot ourselves in the foot because we don't have this this shape to how we do life together that is completely based on discipleship participation. And I think the early church absolutely had this in spades. Of course, there were leaders in the church, there were appointed elders, but it was, by all, by all accounts of how I read it, they were deeply participatory. They, they participatory. They actually were involved in the mission. Every man, woman, and child in the, in the church. And so if that's the case, our church structures and our communities should be so integrated that, that this discipleship participation is just understood. And I think what I've come to realize is a lot of how our churches are done, and, and this is somewhat based on the Sunday gathering, they're based on a large model. They're based on you've got to have 100, 200 people. They all come together once a week. For a large gathering, a few people lead it, done. 
and obviously those churches, some of them have small groups, and you do see some of those elements of participation, discipleship, and more deep integrated community in some of those small groups and various other things. Um, but I actually think in some ways the Sunday service then can detract from those groups um, when it's not the other direction. It needs to, I think, start small, these churches essentially, for them to then join together and then come together for a great time of thanksgiving and a great time of praise to God on, say, a Sunday. Um, but if it starts big and then you're trying to work people small, you've already sort of told them, well, you're a disciple if you just come on Sundays or you're, you're really growing in your faith. And so I think we as church leaders need to be better about telling people, like, actually, you're not going to grow in your faith. Here's a job. <laughs> Here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to join our evangelism team. We're going to have a training on this. You're, are, do, are you interested in prayer ministry? Blah, blah, blah. And I think it has to go beyond just advertising to people and telling them, hey, these are the things we offer if you want to get involved. It actually has to be an intentional core team of people who are seeking out different people within this, the church, maybe new disciples of Christ, and then helping walk them along and learn some competencies so that they can become disciples who are really involved in the mission. And so I think our church forms can actually either hinder or allow for um, that deeper discipleship component. Um, and some, some ecclesiology is better for this than others. Actually, that's one of my big critiques of Anglicanism, um, which I am currently a part, my wife and I are part of a worshiping community in the Anglican Church, um, is that often our ecclesiology um, it does get in the way of our um, our missiology um, that we by default have sort of created this edifice of the clergy that can often be away from the basic understanding of the priesthood of all believers and the you know I, I really don't even like the term laity I, like it's not a in my mind a biblical term um, there are of course some set us set apart for um, kind of the, the leadership of the church I'm not saying everyone has the exact same role of leadership um, but I, I think oftentimes if we if we don't invite people in to just being an everyday one of the churches we work with talks about everyday missionaries all of us are missionaries and and there are some churches that I think do a better job based on their theology of encouraging that uh, component um, and so I think that's something that's very important if you were going to want to see those two elements come along. Okay, guys, so <clears throat> there it is. We've got integrated community and participation discipleship. And so, guys, I hope this has been helpful to reflect on. And I would just encourage you in your small groups, in whatever church maybe you worship at, is think about, are, is everyone here living as a disciple? And if they aren't, are our structures sometimes the problem? Um, are they sometimes causing us to not be in deeper discipleship based on how we gather? Um, and I think oftentimes the answer is yes. Um, and so how could we reframe that? We're still the church. We're still a worshiping community. We're still faithful to Jesus, number one thing. Um, but how can we adjust those things to be in deeper, deeper koinonia, deeper fellowship of the Spirit together? Uh, and I think you can only do that 
um, by just that deeper intimacy with one another. So guys, as always, you can contact me at slowoneclub at gmail.com. I hope this has been helpful for you. And uh, I look forward to talking with you guys on the next episode. God bless you.